0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Cloud Architects Podcast. I'm Chris Gerson, and I'm joined once again by my uh, <laughs> my co-host and uh, partner in crime, the ever-dapper, Nicholas Blank.
1: I love the, the dapper. I was waiting for another superlative or maybe something even worse to pop out of that, Chris, because there was that you know, that little pause. And I'm still in a very cold part of the world. It's still winter in Cape Town. Uh, the city is beautiful. However, it is cold, and uh, I'm not enjoying the end of winter. I don't know how you're doing in your part of the world.
0: Uh, it's actually our weather is amazing. I wish the weather would stay like this because it's it's pretty awesome right now. Um, so, and uh, I'm sure our guest has some great weather. Pretty hot, probably over there. I, I you know, before I introduce him, I got to say I've I've known I've known him for about ten years now. At this point, I think time flies, and. I still reckon he's probably one of the hardest working people in tech. Um, and so I'm very, very excited to have uh, Joe Flynn join us today. Joe, uh, welcome to the show. And uh, for those who don't know who you are, um, do you mind just giving us a quick intro of kind of who you are and what you do?
2: Yeah, so Joe Flynn, uh, I'm actually one of our directors at Inside Over Workplace. Uh, I've been in the industry to technology field, it wow, feels like forever, right? Like a dinosaur all on top of my cage, right? in that sense but lately we concentrate on new technologies new solutions offerings that we can kind of break to market like what's the latest and greatest a lot of times we do concentrate on from a microsoft standpoint um but you always have the other behemoths in the room if you think of vmware apple samsung and all those types of vendors, it's fun i enjoy it i love the technology that's huge me into this
0: yeah fair enough i think we all all of us dinosaurs still <laughs> are still here because we we love the technology right we were talking to uh, michael van orenbeek you know yes uh, last or next to last episode and, and he took, he mentioned as well that they, you know, they have, when they have problems with on-premises, uh, you know, services or software these days, the the team referred to them as dinosaur problems okay. and they need a dinosaur to help fix them. So I think we're all kind of, <laughs> we're all kind of yeah. there. And I think that's, that's probably uh, you know, it's the reason why we're excited to have you on the show and talk about, you know, um, kind of the modern way of doing things. Right. Cause I think, you know, we've been talking a lot about, uh, how we used to do things, right? Sort of the, the long tail of previous best practices, how we used to manage AD, how we used to manage things. And I, and one of the things I think that's probably made, had some changes in recent times is at the endpoint, right? Because we've gone from this place where, you know, perhaps we were doing imaging, you know, a lot of organizations were still doing imaging before the pandemic. And then everyone's run off to work from home some people are going back to the office. Some people are settling into this kind of hybrid mode, but we still have to manage those endpoints, right? And kind of where, like, what are we doing with these things today? Are we are we are we are we actually managing them? Are we working BYOD? And we thought, you know, it'd be really good to to talk to someone who's super passionate about you know management and the endpoint side. Um, you know, kind of to, to to kind of dig into it with us. So, I guess the first question that that I had for you was. What is, where are we at? What is the state of endpoint management today? Cause I know, you know, obviously we can, we can talk a little bit about um, the future and sort of the art of the possible, um, but where are we at it t- t- today? Are we seeing most organizations adopting some form of, of sort of endpoint management at the moment or today?
2: Yeah, I think I'm gonna just say that dreadful word pandemic, cause I think we're also hearing it, but mm. I think that kind of was a catalyst to get people to drive faster. To modern management. Um, and I think now we're in the influx of many smaller customers have adopted the model management song. I think many larger customers are still in that do I do it? Do I not do it? And if I do it, how do I do it? Um, but we are starting to see our larger customers and larger uh, from a user count perspective start saying, I have to go that direction. Uh, how do I get there? Right? What's the best practice? Because what we're finding is, like a dinosaur, right? Many people who've been in the role for 15, 20, 30 years. Like, and they're, I'm, I'm like that in some ways. I'm setting my weights, right? How I do things is, hey, this is it. This is easy. I don't have to worry about changing anything. Um, but that's not the, you can't attack it like that because of the cloud technologies or modern way of doing things, it's different, right? It's new. There's efficiency. So how we've done things the past 15, 20 years, definitely not the same how you want to do it today or tomorrow, right? That's our.
0: So, so where do you go at this point, I think? Because, I mean, you know, if we do take a step back and look at, mm. you know, 10 years ago, what were folks doing? We were doing uh, FCCM or whatever it was called 10 years ago, right? And and if you were really um, advanced, you were probably doing some sort of imaging where you had a, a fleet of uh, devices that were all exactly the same. And you were pushing, a, a, you know, a known image or a known good image, gold image, whatever you wanted to call it, to those devices. And everyone was getting sort of an image laptop. All of the stuff was being done on premises. If you needed, um, you know, your device re-imaged or if you needed a new device, you would run down to IT, and they'd either give you another one, or you, you know, they would do it, reboot it for you, and kick off that that process. That sounds about right, right? We were about ten years ago in the in, in the or
2: Yeah, I would say uh, I'll just give you a story of figure, fifteen, maybe a little over fifteen years ago. I remember, uh, maybe twenty years ago setting up riz i don't know if you remember riz but it was microsoft's remote installation server and uh i remember being so excited how we had because we were we are a national company with locations everywhere so it wasn't as easy system center at that time wasn't didn't have the true capabilities imaging and all this we were all excited because we set up riz and we set up dfsr right dfs and then dfsr to replicate the images so that before pulling locally we're like this is awesome it was working well and now i'm thinking back I'm like, <laughs> it was so much work to yeah. maintain, and I think that's what we are today. And system centers, I say, I tell customers all the time, and I'm sure I aggravate people and I push buttons, but I think, you know, honestly, system centers are dead technology. You give it, I'm sure people are not going to like that, but you give it five or so years. You, I mean, you see the shift that Microsoft's made over time across all their technologies, Exchange, SharePoint, Online. You look at uh, Skype to link Skype to Teams. These paths to the cloud, these hybrids, are met short-term. They're not met long-term. If you look at the technologies from a system center perspective, more and more things are being developed and brought to the cloud first, and then it's an after. It kind of seems like an afterthought of, do we bring it to system center? Or do we not bring it to system center? And I think people have to start realizing that, right? That technology, you got to shift. You got to move forward in in some time, and now's the time to really consider doing it.
0: Nick, I think you had a question before we asked, I spoke
1: over you. No, not at all. Um, so, you know, we, we're talking about the stuff that we cared about uh, 10 years ago and uh, roll out the dinosaurs. And one of the dinosaur rollouts, of course, that we cared about was uh, Active Directory. And we, we used to do a lot of stuff and management and GPOs in, in Active Directory. And to be fair, a lot of our enterprise customers still do. And I've got, I'm trying to think, uh, about three plus projects on the go at the moment, where customers, both large and small, are asking us to switch off on-premises Active Directory and go native intra-ID, or formerly known as Azure Active Directory. And then Microsoft goes ahead and uh, da- uh, releases the uh, Windows Insider a preview downloads for on the quiet for the last few months on uh, Windows Server 2025, which means that Active Directory is going to be with us until at least 2035, you know, depending on on how how long the support lifecycle is for for that version of Windows. We've seen it be shorter for other enterprise products like Exchange. So this dinosaur technology is still going to be with us for a while. And that means we are still managing endpoints. We're still managing authentication and authorization on-premises. And we all have customers with significant data center states that just can't be switched off and they still need to figure out how how do we manage them so in that vein joe dinosaur another 10 years of active directory support at minimum what does that do you to your thinking of managing endpoints and managing technology in general
2: yeah i think active directory is probably the exception to my previous analogy, right, of like a system center and exchange. Uh, every large company has it. There's no real true cloud solution, I would think. Ultra uh, is that cloud solution, but I don't think it's on par with what's required from an on-prem perspective. Mm. Think about how difficult it still is to have your identities come from the cloud back to oh, on-prem. Yeah. It's it's capable, right? There, there's there's thing ways you can do it, absolutely, but they haven't made that a seamless transition. Uh, if I'm looking at Active Directory from an endpoint perspective, I'm, my point is get them off it. Uh, I think drive the endpoints cloud first because most companies who require active Directory are going to be synchronized in their accounts anyway. So you still have your authentication from the cloud back to the on-prem resources. Um, And I tell, and a lot of customers like, well, that's not possible. And there's what, what the one main caveat I could think of off top of my head is device-based authentication to active directory. I think that's the biggest gotcha there. Um, but most customers, most of UI speak to don't really do that. It's not very common. And if that's what you have, then no problem. And you stay off prem for a certain for a certain thing. But it's it's really uncommon to have a, someone say that's what they're doing and they rely on that. And and so the roadblock to get their devices and end users more cloud centric, it's it's extremely doable today, especially with cloud printing and all the other capabilities that have come forward. There's no reason to be on prem for an endpoint and or a user in most cases. Oh yeah, at least that. Even from a security, you nailed it though. And it, it, I think the GPOs are probably the hardest part for customers. Uh, Cause think about how many GPOs, some of these, some customers have, mm-hmm. like there's, they've been around for years and it's yeah. GPOs from XP to Windows seven to Windows 10. And a lot of times the good customers have migrated to the newer ways of doing things, part of the GPOs. Mm-hmm. The not so good are people who keep up to date or try and just leverage the same thing they created 20 years ago today and i always tell i always tell people i'm like don't migrate them like tell them i'm like how it's done from a cloud perspective is different let's just let's just document your requirements let's document how you want to do it and let's set it up you're moving to something new right you're moving to something new great modern let's set it up the same way new great modern not let's drag what you have from the old and bring it to the new um, but you know that gpos are probably the hardest part for most gpos and applications i think are the hardest mm. part okay. enterprise yeah. complexity and, and gpos sorry chris
1: Uh, enterprise complexity and gpos i think are are probably the the biggest sticking point because they they um they're like walking through um through a bunch of weeds and you can never really get them off because we need them right or it's it's kind of like psts are the the cockroaches of the exchange world everywhere where you look now there's a pst hiding in the cupboard or in a drawer or on a a hard drive somewhere and then you've got this information management uh, challenge but from a, a GPO complexity point of view, I completely agree with you where the tools that we have to convert those to in tune policies are okay, but they don't do like for like. And I completely agree with you that we actually have to re envision how do we manage in cloud as opposed to think that we have this straightforward analogy of being able to translate a GPO into an in tune configuration item.
0: Chris? Mm look I, I agree with that i think i think the, the challenge is um, it's also rethinking your requirements right because i think that that's part of the part of the conversation because very often folks wanna, organizations want to carry over something that they've been doing because it works for them and it's so, like well, we've been doing it this way so let's just convert that to whatever the new thing is well uh, you're managing machines in this way do you really need to manage them that way or are there better ways to manage you know that particular configuration item or that thing that you're trying to lock down, right? Because a lot of the times, you know, GPOs are there for locking down things, right? Yeah. Um, it's you know, I think I think olds have largely moved away from using GPOs to deploy things. I'm sure we still find places where the GPO is that it's the it's the orchestration engine for scripts, yes. right? Okay. Like <laughs> that's how you get a script or two machine is by using a GPO. But for the most part, I think it's, it's it's to lock down things. But we have better technologies now and other tech- newer technologies that can help us lock down the endpoints with, you know, um Defender
2: and all these other things, depending on what we're what we're doing. Um, look at look at how we've done things, right? And I think you've both said it. We started probably eighties, nineties, all the way back, right? Where everyone got a not everyone, but people had computers and they were able to do things. And it got to the point where, oh, well, you have to lock everything down. You got to lock the desktop down. You can't, watch, you can't write to this. We went to the extreme. And now over time, we've slowly shifted to where we're allowing people to do a little more with it. But now we're changing what we're focusing. Now, a lot of times, at least today, right? We're focusing more on, I think a lot of, uh, on my side is, we're trying to focus on the identity and the data. 100% mm-hmm. the device is still key. But I'd rather shift where I'm focusing on to what makes sure the user secure, the data that I have from the company is secure. And the device is more just a piece of equipment or a tool to access that data via the identity. So I think how we do things, why we do things have shifted drastically uh, over the years. And we're now at that point where many people, we look at group policy, you nailed it, right? We lock things down, every little thing. That's, I'm going to set this thing, set yeah. this one configuration because it's going to lock this down that no one's ever going to touch but i'm going to set it anyway and that just that sits there in an environment for 20, 20 years and then people don't realize what's even there yeah
0: i mean i you know one of my first um consulting gigs was i, I want to say it was 2000 or 2001 and windows server 2000 had just come out with active directory and group policy where right? i had just come out and and I I, um, I built a domain for this uh, internet cafe that that I was kind of contracting to at the time. And man, we went to town. Like you could not do anything on that machine because it was an internet terminal that people random yeah. strangers could walk up to it and set the internet. So we we wanted to make sure that they couldn't do anything. <laughs> you couldn't right click the desktop. You couldn't do anything. Uh, but I mean, it was literally all it could do is run a browser. That was it but yeah we don't need to be um that locked down these days and i i like what you said joe because ultimately we should we should be treating the de- the devices to an extent as as um as untrusted right because you know as long as we're providing the service that is the data and and the identity then we can authorize and we know who's accessing stuff um now yeah sure can we build additional layers of security into that, that workflow with you know, do we know the device sure? Let's not multi-factor or whatever. I, I I get that. But I think the the we still do seem to find in the industry we have this um this sort of uh fallback to let's lock down the device, right? Because hell, if you if we if I prevent that person from running PowerShell on their device, then you know what I mean, like we're never gonna leak any data secrets, right? Whereas I think the focus, as you said rightly, I think is if we focus on making sure that the folks who need access to it have access to it and we can verify that this is the right person accessing the stuff. And two, if the data is, you know, of a classification that it needs to be protected, let's protect the data. Let's not worry about, you know, locking down and 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 I've I've been seeing a lot of this lately because I've been working with customers, shall we say, in 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 segments where this is still the norm, right? Machines are and and I feel like to do my job sometimes I have to month to tell the way to be able to you know get files to myself <laughs> um it's it's it, sometimes it's you know it's it's not always it's not not always the way to go so
1: you uh, are shadow it
0: <laughs> but but that's how we we are our own worst enemies when it comes to that because we can't treat our users as um folks who don't know anything right not that we necessarily ever have but i think we're in a a time and a place now where we have folks coming into the workforce and they their computer literacy is higher than it's ever been, right? Mm. They they're not coming into the job to learn how to use Word in Excel. By the sure. time they, they 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 start employment, most of them are already very, very comfortable with computer use and, you know, how to find ways around things and how to use password managers and how to use these things because they are having to do it in their personal lives, right? it's a little bit different to when we first kind of got to this place where we had to lock everything down. So we're our own was energy because when we, when we put these sort of obstacles
2: in the way, folks are going to, they're going to try and
0: find ways around it because they needed
2: to be able to do their jobs. Right. Start as kids. I know my yeah. kids do it. I mean, we, uh, we have applications on their cell phones and they're young. Right. But just to make sure <laughs> they're doing the right thing to call apps and sure enough, they find ways around it. <laughs> Every time I find out, I'm like, ah, oh, again. But, yeah, they're smart. Yeah, well, I can. I'm motivated. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and motivated. I can only imagine the the conversations uh, around your dinner table when it comes to like your net, your your home network because I can imagine, you know, your kids all have you know perfectly imaged
2: autopilot no, um, machines or whatever. I wish that's the case. It's not. <laughs> um
0: No, so that, that, that's that's pretty funny. So. Uh, so what I wanted to, and, I, and I'm glad you brought that up because I also think that um, the whole let's protect the data and the identity speaks to allowing folks the choice of the tools that they like, right? Instead of saying you have to use Windows, it has to be a Dell and it has to, you know, have this build and this version of Office. Well, if I like if I like to use a Mac, um, mm-hmm. but I could access and consume the data in a, in a secure way, why shouldn't I be allowed to use that, right? And I think um, you know, there's the definite trend with organizations saying, well, we need to lock down our environment. So you have to use windows. Um, the question I wanted to ask you is how, what are you seeing as far as organizations allowing BYOD on the, on the desktop or, you know, for, for um, when I'm not talking mobile devices, right? BYOD for your, your, your laptops and, and devices like that versus co- you know, co- corporate issued hardware, Versus something like W three sixty five, is there
2: specific use cases for them, or what are you seeing? It's I have having I wish I wish BYOD would kicked off more than it has. I think in most larger companies or just enterprises in general, it hasn't. I still think there's that trust factor where hey, I own the machine, I control it. I think it's a control control thing. Uh, I think what I am seeing, even where we where I am now, right, we've adopted Windows three sixty five as that BYOD play. So, mm-hmm. for instance, like in our company, when we hire someone, they have the choice. They can get a company to issue laptop or they can do BYOD and get a Windows 365 play. I think that's a, that is a, a clever way to do it because, granted, we all have mobile phones. We all can access email and things like that through conditional access. And we have man policies you can do with all that stuff. Um, but then if you have to access on-prem resources that may require a VPN or legacy things that are on-prem, Windows 365 is a slam dunk there because now you're managing a machine that you're never going to have to refresh for the most part. Right, you don't have to worry about the hardware. You're ultimately just worrying about the OS, right? You worry about the OS, the apps and and how and then you can lock it down. You, people can't copy and paste, uh, how they do it, they can access it from any device. So if you wanted to get that granular like a typical VDI scenario, if you think in the financial or healthcare industries where it has to be very secure, it's a good way to do it from a BYOD play. But I think if I look at what's capable today in the modern way, there's no reason why most people can't use a BYOD device and still and still as a company be secure. Um, I I mean, there's, I can do rights management on the data, I can do conditional access, I can do MAM even from a Windows device. I mean, so I think, I just think the lack of control, no different than what you think of back when Office 365 kicked Mm -hmm. off right? What was most of the pushback? Oh, it's not in my data center, right? Or I can't fix it, or I can't do this. It's always, I can, I can, I can't. Now people are realizing, I don't want to do it. <laughs> Let's be honest, right? Put it in the cloud, let them worry about it. I'll be a consumer of it. Um, and I think that's where we're at in the early days of the Microsoft 365 cloud, where the, the loss of control of the of the data and what you can do is the same where we are at BYOD today. I think the technology is there. We can 100% adopt byod has to be done smart Um, but i think there's technologies where we can lock down the data the user what device it's being used on make the device a commodity at the end of the day shouldn't matter Mm -hmm. what device i use if it's a mac if it's ipad android Mm -hmm. windows Um, but on the flip side if you are to that industry where you need tighter security tighter controls i think a windows 365 is a good play because you can access it from anything
0: and i must say i i personally i've been using windows 365 for the last couple of weeks daily um hmm. and i i mean i use teams with video and it and it it works very well i mean i you know i was very skeptical with this whole situation of you want me to and, and i'll also say i'm i'm on a farm right where i'm using elon satellites to connect um and and so you know uh my, my internet connection is a little flaky sometimes and it actually works really well. I have to give it credit. It, it works really well because, um, the, I mean, video is, has been great. Uh, you can barely tell. It, it picks up my Apple audio devices from my Mac, right? Natively in there. And I haven't had a single issue with device audio devices or anything like that. Uh, I've been really impressed. And I, 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 I agree. I think it's a very viable solution um, for those types of environments. And I, I like the idea of. BYOD, here's your Windows image. We're gonna give you the service. Um, and you know, you can consume your email and your teams and your data through that. If you like that ADN where laptop and you want to connect using that, perfect. If not, we'll ship you a device
2: and it's it's imaged and it's uh you know, ready to go. I mean, it's a cost factor too, I think where I think that's what's mm-hmm. gonna hinder Windows 365 at the end of the day, is yeah. for most companies it's gonna be costly. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Because mm-hmm. if you yeah. look at even a, what is it, two CPU, eight gig is probably in the mid $20 range. Uh, mm-hmm. Per month. And so if you look at that across three years, yeah, probably equivalent to a laptop. Uh, but well, I guess it's a low end laptop when you look at it over three years. So I think you have to look at the price points of, and this is where I talk to customers all the time. What does it cost you for the forward logistics, the image, the device, to, I mean, even provision the device, get it to the user, the shipping, the day to day management, possibly at a hardware layer, warranty, benefits, mm-hmm. and then the reverse logistics? How do we dispose of that device and out refresh it? that cost has to come into play because I think that's yeah. where I like a windows 365 definitely start looking better from a price point because you are you're worried about hardware at that point. Mm-hmm. You're literally just managing a device in the cloud.
0: Yeah. And look, I don't, I don't know about other parts of the world, but I must say we've, we've definitely had some challenges with hardware and getting hold of stuff, right? I think it's, it's definitely, it's getting better now, but certainly there was a, there was a time, you know, eight months ago, or whatever, where it was actually hard to find, you know, um, equipment wasn't everywhere or readily available right now fine i can go into the local you know uh i was gonna use the american name of stores, but i've already forgotten <laughs> <this. laughs> I, I i can go to the local jb hi file here or whatever dick smith and i can pick up you know a, a laptop that's fine but if i'm an organization and i'm onboarding you know 300 or 400 seasonal workers and i need to get all the 300 laptops that may not be as, as, as easy to do like right? So something like that when you can just provision the machines and get them going pretty quickly. It, I can definitely see the, the the value there.
2: And that's how it started out here. We were in the private preview for Windows three sixty five. So we were one of the I think we were one of the first four companies in the preview. And yeah. that's it, that's where the light bulb went in my head I had a new person get hired and they were a week out before getting their advice. Mind you, we sell devices at that time, but this is a yeah. few years yeah. ago. Mm-hmm. Uh and so basically we're like, oh, wait, we're already, we're in this preview. Let's take advantage of it and license the person for at that time, cloud, PC industry season, by where you want to call it? The one's end. and literally within 20 minutes, like log in. Oh yeah. Everything's here working. They were on the corporate network right through Azure. Um, but literally then once they got their device, they're like, do I need this? That's yeah. what they said to me. Do I need yeah. this? I'm like, no, not really um so and that's where it's like this makes sense right it's starting to come together
0: yeah fair enough what about um when, when we think about sort of in tune and, and managing um devices today you know we talked about the security controls and stuff which i think engine is very very capable of right um uh windows devices obviously all day long we know that works I mean, I would say that I think even on Mac devices today where, you know, E-Tune is, is does a very good job of being able to manage those machines. Do we still need to look at third-party products like Jamf or other things like that to do management on Mac devices? Or do you think Intune is
2: kind of where it needs to be? Um, I'm going to get in trouble here. But <laughs> I mean, I think, I think if once a company shifts to modern, I like the CYOD play. So kind of like, Chris, what you said earlier, it doesn't matter. We can manage your device, any of those devices, using the same methodology, same framework, in the same platform. I don't need multiple platforms. Like, I think the common thing you see involves customers that have it modernized today. Then they have Jam for Mac. they may have Workspace ONE for mobile. I think System Center for Windows. That, that's common in a company, for the most part, that hasn't tried to either consolidate or uh, try to shift to a modern way of doing things. Um, do I think... I think Intune is definitely... I, in the U.S. side, Intune's winning the battle across the board. Mm. Like we see it, they were they were smart with the licensing. And and let's be honest, if we look at the past year and a half, two years, the feature parity has been it's off it's par. Um, if I look at Workspace One and Intune, it's it's kind be hard to find a feature that both don't do maybe in a different way. At that point, uh, Jamf, if I'm looking from a Mac specific, there may be those little things that Jamf does better still. But I always have to question the customer: Are you using it? Like first time, a lot of times customers ask, "Well, what's the? Give me a feature matrix." I mean, not yeah, getting into this does. feature matrix conversation because yeah. there are so many features and it changes on a weekly, monthly basis. Yeah. What do you use? Because I guarantee you, if i give you three thousand features. You're probably leveraging a few hundred, yeah, uh, a few hundred yeah. capabilities. So, do I see? I see. I see people shifting and consolidating. Whether it is Intune or Workspace One, those are the two big ones in the room. If you look at like a Gartner chart. Um, I do see people shifting. Now the question is going to be where is workspace ongoing long term with Broadcom. I think that's what everybody's really wondering. Well,
0: you could you you know you could only look at the uh, semantic uh, AV sure, sure. <laughs> acquisition to to kind of determine where that might end up. Um, but you know, I that's a, that, that's a, it's a good point. Um, it's a very good point. I and I I had something very profound that I was going to say about that, but I've completely forgotten. So. I've <laughs> I might have a Nick just, uh...
2: (laughs) if I look at Jamf, I think the one thing Jamf has going for it now is Jamf Connect for a Mac. If a customer wants cloud-based authentication Mm -hmm. um, at the login on a Mac device to leveraging Azure, like Jamf Connect works really well, right? Because now I can tie it to an Azure login and if the person's, uh, I don't have to worry about password synchronization or anything like that. It just automatically will use Azure as its login mechanism. Um, you have sudo access with another other Azure accounts. So you can set up an admin group, things like that. That works. It works really, really well. I, mean, I'm we that that... Connect.
0: I was going to say we have that in Azure AD now too, don't
2: we? it is this for Mac or macOS. It's a little different, but okay. Yeah, it's it's getting there. It's not where it's not where right. do Jamf Connect is, but yeah, absolutely. Microsoft is 100% driving that direction now. Where so again, it goes back to your question: is is Jamf, you, know, you need long term? that's a hard conversation, right? Because I think it's, it's hard for me to talk to an enterprise customer and be like, Hey, do you have, you buy this? This is everything it's capable of. Let's say we'll, we'll use Intune. It could be workspace one. It doesn't matter. But you know what? I'm going to try to sell you something that's five to $10 more per month, just for these devices. First question I would even ask you that I was a CFO or a CXO is, do I need it? Like, can I just do it over here since I'm already paying for the licensing? That's a common conversation, uh, really common. So, and we're starting. We're starting to see more and more large enterprises start thinking about making the shift. Can I consolidate? Can I get everything into one place? Uh, because from a supportability, licensing, everything, it's it's just easier long term.
0: Yeah, uh, what I was going to say with with your your comparison um, uh, sort of example that you made is I get that a lot with sort of um, EOP and then. Uh, my and mm-hmm. cruise point, right? It's something I get customers saying to me very often. It's like, can you give me a feature comparison between the two? I was like, no, no, that's the wrong question. The right question is, what are your requirements? Let's see how each of those things can meet your requirements, right? Because guaranteed, like it's tip for tat at that point. Um, it gets really difficult. The one the one problem I've always had um, specifically with Jamf is with, with Intune, the, the barrier to entry is almost none, right? You you, you buy a license on your credit card and mm-hmm. you, you can go and play around with it, you can go and deploy it and you can get up and run it. JAMP, I don't know if they have now, but they never had an easy way for, for an organization to try it out or, or, or to go and have a, you know, a trial of the service or whatever. It always involves having to call them, get someone to call you back. Then you have to discuss this whole thing about how big you are. And with it you know and I've always felt like that type of sales cycle has been very troublesome or cumbersome to trying to get your hands on a product right if you're if you're an organization and you're trying to do a compare between the two um and you want to you know throw some stuff up in a lab why would you go through that whole rigmarole when when you may not actually be able to give them a sale um I've always kind of felt that to be a little bit a little bit difficult Isn't
2: that's that specifically for that... most smaller companies though right they want to yeah. They want yeah. that contact to be able to yeah. hook you and try to sell you more. Where bigger companies have the flexibility of the cost to say, "Yeah, do a trial. If you buy it, great. If you don't, we have yeah, other yeah. people that are probably yeah."
0: We it. don't care. We have thirty million other people. Yeah, no, I, I I totally understand that. I think that I can understand the both sides of that sort of coin, I guess. Um, but I, you know, just from what I've seen or come up with in, in the past. So,
1: uh, question to, to to Joe on terms of uh, what are you seeing out there with customers making decisions around management friction. And both of you have touched on this. So talking about uh, Intune versus something else and talking about uh, EOP or um, any one of the defenders versus anything else. And having that view of Microsoft growing up out of the garage, going from it's okay to it's good enough to, oh, it's in the magic quadrant and it's actually above everyone in the magic quadrant. But there's still the the perception of what customers think that Defender isn't capable of versus, oh, it's all in the same console, right? So, Joe and Chris, what are you seeing out there in terms of uh, management friction and customers' perception?
2: I I think you nailed it. People are still stuck in the days of, hey, I don't know, Microsoft's not a security company. I mean, if you look at how much money they spend in RD there, it's a ton. Wish I made that money. Um, I think I tackle it the same way Chris commented is what are your requirements? And then let's determine if your requirements drive you to a specific direction and if they don't, then I start to where, what's the, where's the more larger value, right? Because if I look at the Microsoft side and the bundled skew, it's the ecosystem approach that everything works, fits in together nicely. Versus if you look at five, 10 years ago, where everyone used to do the best of breed, best of breed is a disconnected solution today, right? So it's harder. Uh, you may have great tools here from a best of solution, but they're not going to integrate with where your users are sitting and what your users are using on a day to day basis. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah, outside of business requirements don't drive it. Uh, and if they depending on what they already own, then it goes down to ecosystem integration. And how does it all work together? is where I tend to drive the conversations mm-hmm.
0: and 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 where do you want to go, right? If you talk about ecosystem and integration, um, well, how are you how are you collecting the and analyzing that logged data? Uh, are you are you using Sentinel? Because if you are even considering Sentinel, you know it just makes absolute sense to to stay within that Microsoft ecosystem um, versus yet another siloed solution, right? Oh well, we have Splunk. Okay, well that's another siloed solution that you know you're just tacking on. Um, so I think that that makes a lot of sense. But uh, you know I agree with what Joe said. I think we're always going to find folks who who think that Microsoft is only there because they you know they should only be producing Windows. And producing office and that's it and everything else, you know, is just them dipping their toe in the water. Um which you know I think the the reality is, you know, from a securities perspective, you know, we've we've joked about this a lot on the on the show that they're probably the largest security vendor in the world, right? Because of yeah the, their R and D spend and stuff like that. Um and you know all over the place. I mean I think where when they want to be where they want to play um they they tend to be very aggressive to get to where they need to be. I think we're gonna see you know, if you look at AI and all of the the sort of the <laughs> the fuzziness and fuss around that at the moment, I don't think that's yeah that's the next step.
2: So it's only gonna make it worse, I think. The AI stuff, yeah, harder.
0: Hey, there's a copilot for copilot at this point, right? <laughs> so, so yeah, no, I I agree. Um, so, Joe, I think we talked before before we came on you know before we hit record we talked about sort of the the art of the possible right if you mm. if you're talking to someone talking to a customer that is basically a, a 100% green fields they you know they're setting up a company and they have zero today you know what would you what would what you tell them like where's where's the cool stuff and where where should they be spending their dollars and looking at
2: yeah, even if they're greenfield or not greenfield, I think the cloud first approach is still the right way. From I'm looking at it from an end user endpoint side, um, it just it just makes sense, right? Because users now, like you said, we said it before too, we're all we all work differently. Some of us travel, some of us don't travel as much. None of us are probably in an office ever, <laughs> um, and that's changing for some users. But end of the day, I mean, the cloud first makes it easier to any device, any app, anywhere can be managed, can be supported, can be secured. Right. That's how I ultimately have to look at it in that sense. Um, but I mean, outside of a cloud approach, I think then if you, I'm looking at what's big for green fields, and then you'd probably, I don't know, am curious to see the spurts on both of your faces. It's the AR VR stuff to me is where. Companies are really starting to look at. You may think, nah, that's not going to happen. And you see, if you look at the industry and the tech, it's like that metaverse is dead, but we have customers. I mean, we see the technologies going quickly. I mean, look at Microsoft, like they're supporting HT, now and HTC and Intune. There's that realware in Intune, Quest in Intune. Uh, the HoloLens obviously, in Intune. Workspace 1 does all the same. So everyone's starting to get to the point where it's almost not quite day zero for these devices, but it's getting to where their mainstream supportability all these tools at the same time no different than mm-hmm. a regular endpoint. But the capabilities of what you can do, uh, I think I just, for instance, my own team, we host two meetings a week in VR. And then once people get over the cartoonish of an avatar because i have dreadlocks which i always wanted hair and it was the only place i could get it uh, it's it's very it's very interacting i mean it's it's a different experience and some love it and some don't but i think that's if you see where it's going where apple the apple vision pro is announced where that's going to go uh, apple i think always is going to change the industry when they announce something and they always do right back in 2007 when they announced the iphone um so I think it'll be interesting where it goes but from a greenfield it'd be you'd be cloud cloud smart though I mean because you got to worry about costs especially if you're greenfield but I wouldn't touch on-prem with it with as if I had to uh, just to me on-prem from my stance from a modern work perspective is dead it's legacy right it's it just so holds you back it's technical debt there's there's so many better ways to do things and better experiences from a cloud first approach and really
0: I mean at this point you know if you're using an application that doesn't support, you know, OAuth or, or being able to federate with Azure AD for its authentication, whether it's an on-prem, well, I assume it would be an on-prem app, if that was the case, you should be asking, what is my app vendor doing, right? Because, uh, you know, unless you've, you've, you've written your own application, I'm working on a fairly large project at the moment where we're app a, uh, you know, a very custom, very large application, um, so that it can, you know, we could take it from on-prem data centers and put it in the cloud and make it work with Azure AD and all of these things. You know, there's a lot of work involved in that, but it can be done, right? So, mm-hmm. um, I, I think there's, you know, you should be asking other questions if that if you find yourself in that situation where you're on-prem because of one app or because of a suite of applications that don't support the cloud. Yeah, you should be really looking at those because I think that that's that's uh, that's holding you back. Agreed.
1: I, I hear what you're saying, and I, I agree with you, except for companies that have got uh, significant uh, OT type of uh, investments that can't go to cloud. You know, we think of of energy producers, we think of hospitals. You don't want that MRI machine to be run out of a, a, a cloud-based service that, that doesn't have a guaranteed connection, right?
0: It's never going to happen. Those things that all run on Windows XP. We all know that. so it's <laughs> not That's good.
2: true true but i also think those are i mean those are specialty devices right i wouldn't consider those end user devices and even if i look at like uh, in the uh, the gas industry from an ot perspective someone may be sitting at that terminal but it that's a very specific terminal in an ot world i agree with you those are you're probably going to have a system center on-prem in its own little locked in area that's not going to have connectivity outside outside world um, and that's the right choice for those because i don't think you're ever going to get Something as, probably gonna more be, as a lockdown environment.
0: It's probably going to be a TFTP server and that's it because let's be real. <laughs> wow. It's probably really old. Uh, no, but, but, you know, I mean, we joke, but yeah, a lot of the OT stuff is, is, you know, a lot of that stuff is pretty old, old technology. You're better off not getting it anywhere near the internet. Uh, otherwise weird things and bad things will happen.
1: Bad things will happen. Right. <laughs>
0: Well, I guess just uh, looking at the time, here, um, I know you guys have got uh, probably things to get on with on uh, with your days. So, um, Joe, before we before we leave you, uh, is there anything you want to sort of plug or any sort of words of wisdom you'd like to leave the listeners
2: with um, as we sort of close out the the episode? Uh, no, I mean, um, I mean, I, like I said previously, I mean, I work for Insight, so I mean, we're a global SI company. Uh, I live these technologies, so if I look at provision, modern provisioning, like from an autopilot standpoint. Um, if I tell you how many customers have adopted Autopilot, it, it's just it blows my mind. I've been in, in it since 2017. One of the main people for us here at Insight, and it's just crazy to see how many customers request it, how many devices are being uh, enrolled, even from a pre-provisioning standpoint. And guess caveats, Microsoft has some things to do from a pre-provisioning, uh, but it's everyone's adopting it. And if you're not, I think definitely customers have to start looking. And just taking a step back, right? Don't look so narrow focused, but take a step back and think of the art of the possible, Mm. because there's so much possible with this new technology that you just got to embrace it and just have it, let it make your day job easier, right? Make your day-to-day easier, more importantly, improve the employee experience across the board. Mm. Mm, That's fair.
0: Yeah. I think that's an important point, right? Employee experience. We can't, we can't leave the users into the dark
2: with this stuff right we have to keep them uh, along with the journey with us as well the users are moving faster than most corporations if you think of the consumer side right so Mm -hmm. they're way ahead already so might as well embrace it yeah Yeah, fair enough
0: uh joe just because i know you what's your what's your phone pick at the moment because i know you're 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 big into your mobile devices
2: just for interest i actually have the surface duo 2. okay Uh, i've had a two. i had the Surface Duo one. Interface Duo 2. I tried the Samsung Flip. I had the Samsung Fold. I had the Google Pixel. I like the I like the dual screen. I'm upset that it's probably a dead. It's dead. But I mean, I love the dual screen. If I'm comparing the Samsung Fold to that. I think the form factor of the Duo works well for two apps, Where I think the Samsung Fold is a little loogie for my purposes. But uh, I had to send it back for warranty, and I used the Samsung for about a week. That was miserable. I'm like, I was so happy to get it back. But it's Android so'm I'm, I'm definitely an Android person whether it's my family's galaxy phones so uh definitely not a Apple phone person I'm sure I'm the a rare occurrence there from, from many
0: you <laughs> know now look I, I I gotta say I think that uh work profile on Android is one of the coolest and just most thought out things ever I wish they would bring something like that to to iOS it would just be be awesome to have that but anyway
2: well they know similar when it's side apple business I Manager. the only downside is you need the identities synced at the same time yeah um but they uh, they have the i mean it's not a, it's not a one-to-one versus the android but it, it is it's slowly getting
0: there yeah yeah fair enough ah, anyway that that was a different tangent but <laughs> I, I'm, I'm always curious because I know, I know you let me find so uh look thank you thank you so much for for joining us i think it's early your morning is it so it really is. appreciate well probably not that early but Thank you for, for joining uh, for joining us. And uh, yeah, we you know, anytime you want to come back, please uh you know, please let us know. I'm happy to have you back.
2: My pleasure, this is fun. Hey
0: everyone. Before you go, we just wanted to say thank you for listening. We really enjoy putting this podcast together for you every two weeks. Please visit us at thearchitects.cloud or alternatively drop us a tweet. We'd love
1: to hear what you have to say. At the cloud arc.